Hello again, everyone. So we are having an awesome Easter season this year. At Christmas, we do Advent. We have like four Sundays of Advent leading into Christmas. This year, we are having Easter services on Maundy Thursday. We're going to have a potluck meal as a congregation in commemoration of, what, of the meal Jesus shared with his disciples, culminating in celebrating communion together in the context of that meal. So we'll be kind of mirroring uh, Jesus' last days on earth and remembering that meal. Then on Good Friday... That's at 6 o'clock. On Good Friday, we will meet at 6 o'clock, and we are going to have a public reading of the final uh, days of Christ's, uh, the final moments of Christ's uh, life uh, into his death. We're going to sing songs together and remember what he did for us, and then Easter morning is Resurrection Sunday. That's really exciting. Uh, I'll also be sharing some kid-sized versions of the sermons uh, for for five five to ten minutes, in those weeks, and so the kids are going to stay in and hear uh, something that's more on their level that conveys the story that we're celebrating. It's the pivotal event of our life for each of us as individuals and as a church. It's changed everything uh, for all of us that being in Christ through his blood being shed for our sins uh, has changed everything. We have all the resources of heaven. We have salvation. We have the Holy Spirit, the very spirit of Christ dwelling within us. Uh, It's a thing to celebrate for sure. I also wanted to let you guys know that the elders have been meeting about staffing or or looking for uh, positions, various positions to be filled. And you're you're aware of this. I want to be very transparent. This is not the papal conclave, okay? We don't have white and black smoke we're shooting out of the side of the building. It's a, it's a transparent process uh, where we are figuring out what it is God's, God is calling us to seek, and then we are praying for his provision. And then as we do that, we're trusting him to provide what is needed uh, as we step out in faith and take a look at various candidates and resumes. And I, I, the district office for our denomination sent me some resumes, so we're looking at those. But we're looking at... Uh, you know, full and part-time positions, director of musical worship, uh, director of the children's ministry, overall director. We have leadership in all of these areas, but overall directors uh, and various things like that. So if you have any questions about that, talk to me or any of the elders. It's a transparent process. We need wisdom from God. And so I pray that, I, I humbly ask that you pray for us as we seek wisdom from God. And I pray, that, and I hope and pray that you will talk to us if you have questions or suggestions or thoughts um, so that being said, today is um, a very heavy message for me personally, and I think you'll see why. But uh, as I was preparing for today's message, it was one of those things that just kind of really softens your heart uh, because, of, because of my personal experience with this topic. It's a very important topic. We're not talking today about a specific theology per se, or about uh, doctrine, church doctrine. But we are talking today about a more general way that we interface, that we interact with our faith, how we hold things, and how we move forward in the faith. So we're talking more about just a general, overall, overarching way of being, I guess, than a particular idea. Does that make sense? So we're continuing on the topic uh, of unity in many ways from last week, but taking it from a different angle. We're in Ephesians. If you need a Bible, uh, pull up your hand and an usher will bring you one, or you can use your phone or tablet or whatever you have. But I want to read the passage together 
first, and then we'll kind of go into talking. And as you are receiving your Bibles, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we look to you. We thank you for Scripture, which is God-breathed and useful for teaching, correcting, equipping the saint for every good work. We thank you for the Holy Spirit, the living, the living Word, Jesus, which breathes life into this and illuminates the Scripture and gives us understanding. As a preacher, Father, I rely heavily on your illumination and your wisdom. You are the head of this church. You are the one that has all of the ideas and information that we need. So we look to you, Holy Spirit. We surrender ourselves to you afresh. Let us be transformed in our understanding and our very selves by your word and by your spirit working in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Ephesians 4, we're going to begin in verse 11. And we are looking at Ephesians through the lens of what it tells us about being a healthy church body with Jesus as the head. Ephesians 4, verse 11. It was he, this is Jesus, we saw last week Jesus descended into the earth, was buried, died, and then resurrected and ascended into heaven, and then sent gifts to men and women in the church. So God, uh, 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 Jesus, God in the flesh, died, resurrected, and sent his spirit into all people. Uh, It was he, Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be televangelists. That's not in there. (laughs) I thought you'd get a chuckle from you guys. And some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of men in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, The whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. One of my favorite passages. All of us want reality, right? We want the real thing. No? Do people want to live with fake stuff? You tell me. No one likes the feeling of being tricked. Uh, We read about that in the passage today. No one likes the feeling of having, you know, their eyes be covered and them them to find out later that everything they believed wasn't true. That's a horrible feeling of betrayal. Um, Some of you know that pain firsthand. No one, uh, for instance, in a marriage, a marriage that appears to be going quite well to one spouse who isn't aware of the infidelity of the other one, you know, to that person who finds out later that their spouse has been unfaithful when they thought everything was going well the whole time, no one wants that. That's a horrible feeling of betrayal. And it's, in a sense, you think to yourself, I've been living a lie. That's a horrible feeling. No one wants to live a lie. 
No one wants to go down a path that leads to nowhere. You think you're building this life with someone, but the path leads to nowhere, in a sense, um, at least as far as that information is concerned. Um, the path, the destination, um, you're going nowhere. One of, the, one of the areas that we really appreciate people having, relying on truth, is in uh, nuclear engineering. We really love it when nuclear engineers don't improv. <laughs> like, ah, t- I don't, what am I going to do today? I mean, I'm going to try things a little different than they trained me. Um, I'm going to see what I can do to make this reactor really hum, you know? Yeah, <laughs> you know. We'll take down some of those firewalls that are protecting it from leaking out into the... I don't know how it works, by the way. Leaking out and... I, I don't know what I'm talking about with that. You get the idea. You don't want some guy or gal uh, doing nuclear engineering through improvisation on their training. <laughs> That's not good. Everyone is really happy when people who design buildings, structural engineer type people, uh, take into account math and science and various what, perhaps some weather patterns that are prevalent in a region and things like this when they put buildings together. We are very thankful when people depend on the reality of the situation when it comes to building buildings, particularly when they get really tall. Because uh, you're, if people improv on their training in that area, disregard mathematics, science, uh, different conditions that are, that are present uh, in the environment, the building can crash down. People can be killed. It's a very similar situation. We really appreciate when people don't improvise (laughs) on the truth in these matters. Uh, I think you'd all agree with that. I'm glad this building is not collapsing on us because the people who built it used sound engineering based on reality. But we are not as okay about having unity with true information when it comes to Christianity. Even though Jesus is a reality, God is a reality, he set up the world in a certain way to run a certain way, but we balk at the idea that there could be some consistent true things uh, that we need to live by in order for this thing to not implode on us. Uh, We have a hard time with unity of information. It's something we struggle with. Yet, Jesus, God in the flesh, God's second self, I'm fond of calling him, uh, God in the flesh, truly God, truly man, Jesus was a real person who was the image of the invisible God. Jesus uh, had a reputation as someone who people sought out and tried to come to because he seemed to know things about them. And he was able to deliver on his promises. Uh, people came just to touch Jesus. They, they thronged Jesus. It's amazing he wasn't crushed to death in his earthly life. Because people just, he had this reputation. People came to him. It was a reality. Yet we treat some of the truths of, of Scripture and some of the truths about Jesus as if they are not a reality. We bulk at having some uniform truths that we adhere to. But just like in the reality of engineering... This is real stuff. This is concrete stuff. Jesus is a real person. The Holy Spirit is real. God is real. The way that God set the world up is a reality. The things that we find in Scripture 
that are consistent throughout Scripture are a reality that we need to live by because if we don't, everything's going to fall apart. <laughs> so I think it's important that we come to a unity on some matters of faith. Now, there are some things in the Scriptures, and I'm the first to tell you this, that are not as clear. They're gray, fuzzy areas, and you think to yourself, I wonder how to understand this. Uh, people always boast about their positions on the end times, like, oh, I know for sure this is going to happen. I know for sure this is going to happen based on this. But there are some things in that prophetic literature that are a little hard to understand. Can I get an amen? Even from tons of pastors doing tons of research in the original language, and, you know, there's, there's just some things that are not as clear. And that's fine. We can have different opinions on things that are, you know, we can have different good opinions on things, and some opinions are better than others. Um, but there are some things in the Bible that are just really clear. And if we don't live in light of them as Christians in unity, we're going to fall apart. We really are. We're going to have a meltdown. We're going to have a collapse. Maturity. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. Um, this passage talks about people being tossed by the waves, by every wind of false doctrine, and scheming tricksters who are trying to con people with their deceitful scheming. That's things this passage talks about. And this really hits home for me personally. I had a video I was going to show you, but I couldn't because I knew I wouldn't be able to get through the video. Um, a very dear friend of mine. Well, I'll start with this. Two weeks ago, I'm doing my morning devotions, you know, Facebook and coffee. <laughs> what if that was devotions? If that was devotions, then everyone would be holy. <laughs> it's probably not the complete devotion. Got to at least read a Bible verse on Facebook or something. Everyone knows I'm not serious, right? Okay. <laughs> but I was seriously reading Facebook and drinking coffee. So on Facebook, a friend of mine said, you need to turn on television, which I knew was God speaking. Because <laughs> television is great. No. Um, he said, you need to turn on the Today Show. So uh, turn on the Today Show. And uh, some of you might know this young woman. This is, a, a very, this is someone who came here for a short period of time when she lived in the area. Very close friend of mine, uh, someone who I worked with in Christian camp, someone who was a huge inspiration to me as a Christian, her devotion, her love for the Lord, huge inspiration to me. But about eight years ago, uh, she, was, she was here in the area, and she, visit, she was here at the church, she was coming to church, and the two of us, uh, she, she was about to leave to take a, a nannying job in a different state, and so she got some people, and we prayed for her, and she was praying that the Lord would provide a spiritual community for her. And so we, we prayed for her, and she pulled up stakes and, and traveled for work. About two weeks later, um, she let me know she had met a group of people. She was at a coffee shop, and they had invited her to study the Bible with her, uh, with them. And uh, they, were, they were not a Christian group, per se. Um, within 
in that conversation, she very excitedly told me, uh, you know, Jesus came back, you know, came, you know, in, uh, in 2000, whatever it was, when he, when he came and lived and died, and then he came back in the 1960s in a man named An Sung Hong, who was a, a Korean guy. And, um, and uh, uh, the Bible talks about An Sung Hong. He's the bird of prey from the east. Actually, it says who the bird of prey from the east is in, in the Bible, but regardless, in Ezekiel, uh, she, she said they, they taught that this is Jesus. This is the new manifestation of Christ, this guy. And she, uh, and then when he died, in the eighties, I think his girlfriend conveniently became God next, Mother Jerusalem. And you know it says in Romans, Paul says, "But the Jerusalem from above, she is our mother, and she is free." It says it in the Bible. So this must be Mother God. This is a, a really clever system of teaching, one that, uh, one that she. Was, and I can't believe it to this day that she fell for it and that she has been in this group for eight years. And I talked to her at the time and um, I tried to reason with her. It'd been, she'd been gone two weeks. And I, I said, you know, those, I'm looking into these scriptures you're giving me and, and this, it's not panning out for these different reasons. But she was so sure. And, you know, Paul talks about in the Bible people being bewitched. There's kind of like that, that kind of idea of people being deluded and spiritually blinded um, by satanic kind of things. That stuff happens. And uh, she got baptized like in a hotel pool. She married some random dude in this group. And she's been in it for eight years. And she's now become like a spokesperson because she... This guy on the Today Show that does investigative journalism um, heard, the, heard of her family having a hard time because she stopped talking to them. And uh, he said, okay, we'll do an undercover expose. Her family drove down from Michigan to New Jersey and found where she lived. And you know, the video shows her kind of shouting, them shouting back and forth and talking about stuff. And, uh, and then, she, then she gets interviewed, and now she's releasing videos on YouTube and you know, stuff like this. But the point is, you know, this is close to home. People can get deceived, especially when uh, some of the core things that we believe are treated as if we can improvise on them. There's some things in the faith that we just can't improvise on people. There's some things. There's many things that, that, that we can have conversations about. They're in the Bible, and they're, they're conversation pieces. But there are some things that we believe they're so central to what it means to be a follower of Christ that if we are not to believe them anymore, it's very questionable whether we are, both of us are Christians anymore. (laughs) We're not following the same God. This is a very extreme example. This breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. I mean, you you wouldn't believe it. Amazing, amazing woman. And she's an effective leader somewhere else now for her new group. So, this is an extreme example. Most of us are sitting here thinking to ourselves, I wouldn't fall for that junk. 
I, I mean, we know about the Moonies. This is just kind of like the Moonies, this group she fell for. I'd never fall for that. I wouldn't drink the Kool-Aid. You know, that kind of thing. We, we think that to ourselves. But this is very uh, subtle stuff, people. This is the Jesus and phenomenon. Jesus plus. Adding stuff to Jesus. We, Jesus is great. We love Jesus. He saves us from our sins. It's awesome. Uh, it's, it's for all of us who, who know Christ and have received his salvation, have received the Spirit. But sometimes we just need a supplement. You know, a little supplement. Just add a little something to Jesus. But the thing is with adding supplements to Christ to, to kind of get through life and to uh, have everything work out well for you, uh, some, are, some are better than others. And we probably all just need to recognize that we do this. We add things to Jesus. We need to just be aware of what those things are so that we can be careful we don't get ensnared. But uh, the problem with Jesus and is usually the and is something that appeals to our natural cravings of the flesh kind of thing. It's something... I read, I read the Bible, and I, also this author. This author is amazing. And like they, the way they write just makes it come to life to me, and I just rely so much on this author or this speaker. And they are just amazing. And, uh, and they kind of make me feel really good. And sometimes the Bible doesn't make me feel good. I read it, and I get convicted, you know. Um, but, but at least I can read this other author as a supplement to kind of offset some of the Bible's uh, conviction and stuff. It could be... So that's something that appeals to the the flesh, just how we are and what we crave. Um, Anything that involves working to improve yourself can become a really good Jesus and moment. You know, Jesus and um, some kind of routine, uh, fitness routine, or any kind of anything. You can add anything to Jesus. But the thing, the subtle thing about Jesus, Jesus and, is that many times we get so into the and that when Jesus gets taken away, we don't even know he's gone. But he's gone. It's just the and. And now we're, we're andy-anity. We're not Christianity. We're andy-anity. We're following the and. Um, it's very subtle, people. And the best of us, we're all just human beings. We all have the same kind of tendencies to drift away and all these different kinds of things and to improvise. Any one of us can subtly get led astray. And we can, be, we can begin living our lives. We can start out with Christ as the cornerstone in Christ alone. You saw the worship set was leading up to this. We can start out with Christ and then what we begin with Christ, we finish in the flesh. And this is what Paul was talking to the Galatians about. He said, you know, these were people who were um, Jewish people coming to Christ, and these, this group, uh, this, this Judaizers group was saying, they need to be circumcised to be Christians. You know, to be part of, part of Christ, they need to be circumcised uh, in addition to their faith in Christ. And Paul had some very choice words for those, pe- those people that were teaching this doctrine. He said, you know, what you began in, 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 in Christ, you're finishing in the flesh. Like, what is wrong with you people? I mean, he, it's much more harsh what he said to them. Paul was very leery of the, of the Jesus and phenomenon. So it's easy uh, for all of us to be dragged away and enticed and to lose it. 
what we begin with Jesus, we need to continue with Jesus. There's an aspect of Christian maturity where it takes a long time to grow fully mature in Christ. But there are, there are some things that you can do right when you become a Christian. And for some of you that are, you know, older in Christ, this applies to you as well, because there's lots of people that have been Christians for a long time that are not mature yet, you know, that aren't, aren't seeking the maturity I'm talking about. There's a lot of stuff that you can do at this stage that can make you mature quickly. Reading and understanding the Scripture. Understanding the central beliefs that undergird everything we do. These are things uh, that really can grow you in maturity very quickly because then you're able to spot a fraud from a mile away. Something that, you know, when, when Korean Jesus, you know, Korean Messiah Jesus comes along, you're like, I don't think so. I didn't read anything about that in the Bible. I understand this. So you see, I'm not teaching a specific doctrine today. I'm teaching a, a way that we need to engage with the, the overarching picture of our faith so that we don't become engineers improvising on our training, causing meltdowns and collapses and causing heartache. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's very sad to, to begin with Christ and then, for my friend, on a road that leads to nowhere and working hard at it and leading the charge down a road that leads nowhere. Because Jesus is the only one who delivers. Jesus is the reality. Jesus is real. You know, the things that the Bible teaches about Christ and the things that the Bible teaches, this is reality. This is real stuff. If we don't understand it and live by the things that it says, uh, as, we, as we follow the Holy Spirit, we're going to be in big trouble. The Pharisees were experts in the Bible, of course, but they missed Christ as well. Um, Jesus said, you read, you study scriptures, uh, but you fail to come to the one who the scriptures teach about. So you can actually have a lot of knowledge and miss Jesus too. Jesus has to be central. We have to find Jesus in the Bible. We have to come to Jesus for life. We have to come to Jesus for forgiveness of sins and the filling of the Holy Spirit, which is God's third self, the third part of the Trinity. We get filled with the Spirit when we come to Christ. And we need the Spirit to transform us from our inner being. Uh, this is all the, stuff, the central stuff that we believe. I want to work our way through the Scripture and see if we've hit everything. God gave us a gift. Gave gifts to the church. And I'm happy to say that I'm one of them. <laughs> yeah. It's a... People say, he thinks he's God's gift to women, you know, or... But like, according to the scripture, I'm God's gift to the church. God's gifts, gifts to the church are people. Some of these people are God's gifts to the church. God gives apostles. So they're, they're the people that originally witnessed the resurrection in Jesus and proclaimed it. They had apostolic authority. Uh, the prophets, these are people who speak the truth of God, uh, both Old and New Testament prophets. There's a lot of 
prophecy happening before the New Testament was formed. After the New Testament was formed, we know prophecy continues. God continues to speak. But we continue to test words of prophecy that come from people by Scripture, because that is our gold standard. Everything the Bible says is true. Nothing that some other Christian says they hear from God for us that contradicts Scripture is a true word from God. This is the truth. The the Scriptures are are the standard. Uh, He gives us evangelists. There's at least one, maybe more people in this church with a gift of evangelism, a gift for heralding the truth of the gospel and leading people to Christ. God has given pastors and teachers and, um, to equip the people for works of service. So teachers are just teachers without pastoral authority per se. These are the gifts God's given the church so that the body of Christ may be built up. So God didn't give these gifts uh, to lift them up and say, oh, these are the best guys, the apostles, the prophets, the teachers, the pastor. I'm joking around about, you know, my pastor, the gift of the church. It's about the body. It's about the body. All of the gifts that God gives the church as a foundation for the church growing is so that the body can be equipped to do, uh, to, can be built up and reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now, back when this scripture was written, many of the people that were engaging with the church were illiterate, couldn't read for themselves. And so you can see the apostles, teachers, pastors, all of that was even more important back then. But in this day and age, when all of you are literate, this falls on you also to grow in maturity by reading your Bible for yourself, praying for yourself, seeking to read your Bible and pray in community with other believers, uh, it, it's incumbent upon you to listen to the teachings that, uh, that the pastor and the elders and various gifted people in the church give and take them to heart and do something with them. And it's also incumbent upon you to talk to us if we say something wacky. Because you're reading your Bible and you know, you know, you're like, hey, you know, that thing you said, I'm not sure that was biblical. That's good for me to hear. That's good. God's given us a great gift in the modern age. All of us can read. We're all responsible. Uh, But God's given these gifts particularly so the church can be built up, so we can reach a unity in knowledge and faith. You know, the Bible places a lot of um, emphasis on having right knowledge and faith in unity. And again, we balk at that idea as modern people, but you don't want those engineers improving on their training. You don't want people improving on Jesus either. There's some things that are so central that if you improv on them, you're going to be lost. You can be lost. So that we will no longer be infants. Stop being a baby, you know. (laughs) Um, Infants, so vulnerable. Uh, Tossed back and forth by the waves. Blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. You know, people out there, there's lots of teachers. They're in it for themselves. Maybe they're just built up by their own prowess as a teacher. Maybe they're somehow making money from the people that are following them. And they recruit people like my friend who are true believers. And those people link their bank accounts to the mother, and the mother gets rich. And my friend is a true believer. It's so sad. People are, people that, we have to be careful. People are trying to get you out there um, in, so, in some ways. Uh, people are, have an angle many times. People in my generation, we have radar for this stuff. We can tell when someone's trying to sell us something. So quickly, you know, we are just, we're not buying that. We're not buying that um, very quickly. But we need to be careful. 
We need to become mature. Take responsibility for it personally. And I take responsibility for your maturity personally as your senior pastor, and the elders do too. Our job is to oversee the church of Christ. I will preach whatever the, scriptures, whatever the scripture clearly teaches regardless of how I feel about it or if I like it or if it makes me feel fuzzy inside. I will preach on it because it's God's word and God's work, not mine. That's my commitment to you. My commitment is to always follow the truth in all of my dealings and to whenever I counsel you or talk to you as, as an overseer, as a pastor, as an elder, I take it very seriously. If we all took this seriously together, um, the body would build, be built up. And that's what this talks about. Speaking the truth in love. Instead, speaking the truth in love, here's another information thing. Uh, it's not, no one likes God, people that speak truth in not love. You know, it's questionably true, you know. It, it just doesn't feel quite as true when people don't say truth lovingly. It's not we need to be a people who love others in the way that God has loved us. He's lavished his love on us and his grace on us that we should be called the children of God. Uh, we need to be, have all of our talk seasoned with love, all of our discourse seasoned with love, all of our disagreements seasoned with love, all of our corrective measures in the church where we say, hey, I think you're off base on this, seasoned with love and relationship. Truth in relationship is the only way to go. Uh, truth in loving relationship. We need to speak, we need to know the truth for ourselves from our pastors and teachers and from our own study of the scripture and our prayer. And then we need to speak the truth in love instead, over and against that deceitful scheming junk that the charlatans are trying to, do, trying to pull. The people are trying to pull the wool over your eyes or whatever, the, whatever metaphor you want to use. Trying to fleece you. Fleecing means stealing something very valuable from you. And that's what the, the tricksters want to do. They want to take away your very soul, your very faith, and probably your money. Not good. Instead, speaking the truth in love to one another, we grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. This is the central scripture to our whole sermon series. God is the head. Jesus is the head. He is, underneath Jesus is the body, with, along with every supporting ligament. Every minute detail of the body is below the head, which is Jesus. And he is sending orders down to the body. That's his part. But part of our part is to grow up. <laughs> part of our part is to grow up. We just need to grow up. Uh, us, us who are young uh, in the faith, who are, maybe have just come to Christ, we need to grow up in the faith so that we are not led astray and so we don't lead others astray. Uh, those of us who are older in the faith and have been walking with Christ for a while, some of us need to grow up. And those of us who have, uh, have experience walking as a Christian and experience with the truth, we need to seriously consider investing in someone who has less experience and growth than we do. I'm telling you, discipleship. Jesus walked around with 12 guys. That's what he did, and they changed the world. Those of you who, who have perhaps some more maturity and understanding, some more grasp on truth and life and wisdom, you're going to stagnate if you don't pass that along. There's a ministry waiting for you in this church. Um, small groups. 
my small group has been vital to my development. And those of you who have been involved in small groups in the past and those who, who are currently members, being in a group of people where you talk about truth and you pray together, uh, it's a way that we can speak truth and love and grow together. So as we, dis- as we disciple and are discipled, as we have peer-to-peer relationships, disciple to disciple relationships, as we have cell group relationships, as we, as we study the Word of God on our own and pray and seek the truth, as we do that, we will grow into the head who is Christ. Um, we are joined together by, by him, and every supporting ligament is going to receive instruction from the head as to exactly what they're supposed to be doing in the body. Everyone who's part of the church at New Life Fellowship, we expect you to be a part of the body, to do something. It's not a consumer church, though we have amazing refreshments thanks to Jesse Davidson. We could like to consume those things. It's not a consumer church. It's a body. It's a living body. It's a biological picture. And, and you know what? Bodies that begin to lose parts, start walking around kind of funny. I just, imagine if all your supporting ligaments were all of a sudden gone. No one would see that, but you just crumple to the floor. God wants our church to be strong enough to send organizationally in the body, the body. He wants us to connect to the head. He wants us to get to grow up in the faith, to not be infants. And he wants us to join together under his leadership into a body that can effectively share the love of Christ and salvation through grace by faith with Saratoga Springs. A, raise up a general, uh, uh, a new generation of Christians and disciple everyone who God brings to us and everyone who is here that they might be discipled and then disciple others who disciple others who disciple others that the body of Christ would be built up in Saratoga Springs. I believe with all my heart this vision. This is something that is just a part of me. And it requires everyone who calls this church body home to become a, an to hear from the Lord. This is the part where if I was controlling, I'd say, you do this and you do this and you do this. But I'm not. I believe that God really is, as you seek after him, he will speak to you and reveal to you exactly what part you play. But all of us just need to, we need to grow up as individuals, grow up as a church, and grow up into the head who is Christ. And we will see God do amazing things in Saratoga. So here's some takeaways. I don't know what they are. Let me look. Here it is. Receive the gift of truth from people God has provided in the church. And test it to see if it lines up with Scripture. And in so doing, grow in your personal uh, apprehension of truth. Like, not only did I hear this spoken about, I, I looked into it. It was solid. It's a part of me. That's really important. Take responsibility for learning the truth for yourself. We've talked about this. When you find truth, speak it to one another in love and guard yourself and others from being robbed of Jesus, having the truth robbed right out from under you. And this is the picture that I, that I, I was searching for the perfect picture to encapsulate this. This is maturity. Waves of the sea, wind. Uh, if you have a boat like that, you ain't going down. <laughs> I like that boat. That's a conquering boat. The wind and the waves got nothing on that boat. 
This is what God wants us to each be, and he's, it's what our, God wants our church to be. Mature, lacking in nothing. Uh, God made Jesus Christ head over everything for the church, which is his glory. The church is the glory of God, of, of Jesus. The church is the fullness of Jesus who fills everything in every way. He is the one who ascended and gives gifts to all of us. Um, let's praise him. Worship team is going to come forward. And I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, we want to be we want to be that solid ship. We want to be people that rightly handle the word of truth. We want to be people who come to know you and come to, and come to grow into the body. We want to be people who protect others from error and danger. We want to be people who, take, who become aware of what the and is in our life, Jesus' and, and get rid of it and surrender our whole lives to Jesus alone. Um, do a work in us, Father. We worship you. We praise your name. In Jesus' name, amen. So it may not be as flashy as we like, but we just need to know the Lord for real. That's the reality. Who wants to be on a road that leads to nowhere? So let's take this on. Let's grow up. Let's grow up. This week I'm going to send an email that contains some places to get you started with study and central things that we believe that will really help you. If you want to receive that email, look on your news sheet. There's an office contact email address. Send me your email address. We'll keep this conversation going during the week. But uh, I want to bless you. And I remind you, Jesus is the only one worthy of our praise because he's the only one who delivers. He really delivers. And he knows. He knows everything about us. He knows. And just like Jesus was highly sought after in his earthly life, and he delivered, so those who seek Jesus, they will find him. If you seek him with all of your heart, you take out the and 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 leave just the Jesus. Seek him with all of your heart, being single-minded, single-hearted. I bless you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that you would grow up into the head who is Christ as you apprehend and internalize the truth. I bless you that you would know what the head is calling you to do in this body, and that you would find that satisfaction of plugging into the body. I bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. You are dispersed. Go and be the church.